In the past, I think, the dog also existed with a limited selection of food. Dogs these days are given all types of foods by human beings, so they will turn their noses up at what they would have instinctively eaten before. Fifty years ago, when I was a child in Japan, I was led to believe that dogs bore only one litter a year. These days, dogs are fed such nutritious types of foods that they are breeding two litters a year. The same is true of humans, and this causes a great deal of confusion and problems. Human beings are no longer restricted to eating only certain types of food or living in certain types of environments. So now that man can live under difficult and complicated situations, he himself becomes more difficult, complicated, and confused. Human beings have utilized science so they can eat special kinds of food. Through canning processes and freezing, they eat foods in the wintertime that grow in the summertime. But there is a dualistic nature here in man, not only to satisfy hunger, but to experience enlightenment. So in Zen we say, since human beings are born as animals, as biological beings, they have instinctive needs, instinctive desires. On the other hand, there is a desire in man as a human being to truly manifest his true nature. So you must both eat and be enlightened. We eat, and we sleep, and we work, and then we sleep again. More simply stated, life is Zen. To seek another religion besides life is not right. Is it enough that every human being is enlightened? Is, is that enough? Yes. We human beings have all been born as true self. But due to improper education, we have become one-sided in our thinking processes, and we are not able to manifest our true selves. Zen is the practice to truly polish the true self, to polish your brain functions to manifest your true self. If the human brain were functioning properly, we would not be suffering from smog problems and the death of people, human beings, because of these problems. I am not a politician, and I don't like to delve into that area. I'm a religious man. But on the matter of wars, such wars are caused by improper functioning of the human brains. The proper thinking processes should be the property of everyone in this world. Culture should not function so that this type of thinking process is considered good for some and bad for others. Is there a little secret for people who are very worried and, and do not believe they can be their true selves? Is there a secret that can, can make them believe that they can? Yes, there is. What is it? It is to laugh. In laughing, the window opens. When you are laughing, you are truly manifesting your true self. I beseech you to laugh every morning. If you laugh every morning, your paradise will appear. That's the end of the interview, and that's an uh, interview with uh, Joshu Shizaki, the Zen master with, for whom we are raising money right now and for whom we have raised to this point. In, a, in almost seven hours and 18 minutes, we've raised how much, Ron? type of teaching because he's a great teacher. In 1935, the Institute of the Brain, Moscow, asked Nadezhda Krupskaya, Lenin's widow, to fill in a questionnaire on various aspects of Lenin's mental and psychological reactions. Though no weakling, he was not especially strong. He did no physical work. I recall also that he fixed a fence when he was in exile. When he took a walk, he did not get tired fast. He was agile, preferred going on foot. At home, he constantly paced the room fast from corner to corner, sometimes on tiptoe. 
pondering over something. Why on tiptoe? I believe partially not to disturb anyone. Also an emigration when we rented a room, not to bother the owners of the apartment. But that's only part of it. Evidently also because such rapid, noiseless walking on tiptoe made for greater concentration. He definitely disliked lying in bed. He walked fast. In walking, he did not rock or swing his hands much. He was not awkward, rather agile. He stood very firmly on his feet. He didn't go in for gymnastics. He played garodki. He used to go swimming, skated well, and loved to ride a bicycle. While in exile, he used to skate on the river along the banks. The Volga area, where he used to live, had no mushrooms. When I joined him in exile, we frequently went mushroom hunting in the forest. He had keen eyesight, and when he learned fast how to look for and find mushrooms, he searched for them eagerly. He was a fervent mushroom hunter, was fond of hunting with a shotgun, and in general, he greatly loved to roam the forest. Something about Lenin to keep in mind that's very interesting about the Russians in general, which I've just been flashing on, is that since World War II, you know, the Russians haven't fought. Mm. They haven't. That's right. All the fighting's been done by us <laughs> and the people we've been fighting, and also the United Nations forces, the Turks and the Greeks who came into Korea. But it's interesting, nobody else in the world has been fighting. Except us and the French and the English a little. And French and Algeria. Middle East. I mean, the Middle East. And, yes. The Middle Eastern nations still have come to know the, the, the uh, Jews and the Arabs are really at one another's throats. It's a terrible situation. That's why we need Zen. What were you going to say, David? I was going to say the, the mushroom, the, the thing you said about the mushrooms. Mushrooms are a very, very uh, popular thing to do in Russia to go mushrooming. Yeah, true. And uh, I just read a thing the other day. I can't remember where it is or it was New Yorker, I think, that they have pretty well proven that Soma, the, the famous uh, narco, uh, narcotizing drink of uh, the ancient uh, Indian, in India, peoples, it's Soma, which was then used by Aldous Huxley in Brave New World is the name of uh, the beverage, which he made uh, as the juice of a mushroom. They have pretty well proved now that it is, in fact, the juice of a mushroom. Uh -huh. The Amanita muscaria, which sure. is that famous, the famous fly-catching mushroom. And the so-called deadly mushroom. And yes, it's also, All the, the there, there's a way of leaching it, and uh, actually it went through three, three, three processes. It, it, it was first, uh, uh, first put, let me see, I can't, water? I, I can't remember what the first, it may have been water, That's after the, it was pressed. basic leaching, yeah, it's right. usually in water. Then it was, uh, went through lamb's wool. Oh yeah, and then it took it went, out all the oils. Right, right, yeah. then it went through the priest. Went through the priest? Went through the he priest. He did something He would drink it, and he would then urinate, urinate and uh, his disciples apparently going through his body again changed it, and it still had psychedelic power. Peyote mm -hmm. is, you know, that in the peyote ceremonies, much of the getting off is off the urine of the, of the celebrants. Mm -hmm. Because you eat the peyote buttons mm -hmm. and get very high. The minute you begin to urinate, the high goes down, but you drink the urine, and you drink the urine of right another back man, in your body. and it puts it yeah. right back in, and urine also, to, strangely enough, though people won't, will find this very strange, it's almost tasteless. Mm -hmm. Fresh urine, just like most things that you consider to be cockapoo-poo aren't. You know, it's, it's, it's used it's for cleaning uh, eating utensils, uh, 
and cleaning your fingers and hands after eating by the Eskimos. That's right. I mean, you right. know, but, but it does carry, interestingly enough, it carries things chlorine. like coyote, soma, and thus urine carries it almost in an unchanged state. Yeah. So zap right back. And the priest must have gotten so <laughs> sent away. That's, <laughs> That's an interesting thing. I asked the Roshi three years ago in an interview about LSD. I said, Roshi, many people have come to you because of, they took acid, because they took LSD and they got religious and they came to the Roshi. They were searching around for religions, and some of them stayed with you. I said, what about LSD? And he said, um, he said, well, he said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's close. He said, if you, if your boss tells you that he doesn't like your work at all, you get upset, he said. And if you make an appointment to see someone at 5 o'clock and they don't show up for three hours later, you get upset. He said, for people who get upset, they need LSD. Hmm. And it blew uh. my mind. Is what he's saying. He's saying, you know, is that, and I said, well, okay, fine, but LSD brought those people to you. He said, yes, but now they're here. Mm. <laughs> well, they don't need acid. Why don't you give the phone <coughs> numbers again, because that reminds me of a story. 681-0447, <laughs> supporting Zen in Los Angeles. 681-0447. How much do we have so far, and then we'll go to mm -hmm. What? $816. We're going for $1,000, which means before 8 o'clock, we'd like to raise $184. We can do it. We can do it. I know we can do it. How do I you know. subtract backwards in your head oh. all day? And if, yes, I know. I know. I well, know. that's because the mind is as much in the body as the body is in the world. Right on. The body penetrates the mind just as the world penetrates the body. We like to believe, since we see ourselves as enclosed within a shield of skin, that we are demarcated from the world by this envelope, just as a theater curtain separates the audience from the stage. But the skin is a porous membrane. Electrically and chemically, the world moves right through us as though we were made of mist. By and large, we're unaware of the presence of the outside world within us. We're, we're even more unconscious of the breathing of the skin's pores than we are of the intake and exhaling of the lungs breathing. We do not feel the penetration of cosmic particles.